Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. Well, good Tuesday morning to everyone out in our listening audience here on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, mornings with the Coach. Coach John Quintero with you from now until 9 o'clock. Thanks so much for uh, joining us early on a Tuesday. We've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, of course, uh, Padres back in action. I'll get into that in a minute. we got the NBA playoffs to talk about. A couple of great hockey games last night. we got two Game 7s coming up tonight. we got the N- NFL draft coming up. Uh, we got a little bit of everything uh, this morning here on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, we do take phone calls. Last night, I was out uh, calling the Strike Force game against the Arizona Rattlers, and boy, they got off to a great start last night, but uh, they ended up uh, getting run off the field in the second half, but uh, a nice effort out there last night by the Strike Force, that expansion team in the international or in the Indoor Football League uh, getting a little bit better, but they ran up against what I would consider the New England Patriots of the IFL. If you're out at that game last night, I'd love to hear from you. A nice win by the Gulls last night up at the SAP Center in San Jose over the San Jose Barracuda, 4-2. The Gulls now have a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 tomorrow night up in uh, San Jose, and if necessary, it'll be a Game 5 on Thursday night, but if the Gulls can get it tomorrow night, they can move on to the second round. I want to get to your phone calls this morning. I had uh, a gentleman come up to me last night and said, hey coach, I tried to call your show, but I couldn't get in. The phone lines were jammed. I go, well, uh, when you're on your way to work, uh, give us a call a little bit earlier, and you might be able to sneak in in that 5 o'clock hour. Our number, 833-288-0973-833-288-0973. Well, tonight the Padres back at it at Petco Park. They're going against the uh, red-hot Seattle Mariners. The Mariners come in with the uh, a record of 16-9, and 11-2 and on the road. They'll send uh, right-hander Eric Swanson 0-1 and a 3-3-8. To the hill against the Padres, Nick uh, Margavages, uh, one and two with a 3.60 ERA. Padres with that win on Sunday, they're now uh, 12 and 11 on the year. They snapped that six-game slide against the Reds with that nice uh, four to three victory. Padres only uh, five and eight at Petco Park this year, one and five on the homestand. And I was looking at some numbers when I got off the air yesterday. Uh, the Padres offensively right now in 23 games, they're hitting 223. A 290 on base percentage. They have hit 31 home runs. Fernando Tatis Jr., who uh, Jim Russell and I talked about at great length yesterday, right now hitting 291, six homers, 13 RBIs. He's got a 360 on base percentage. And again, uh, that 10 game hit streak. Uh, second base, which uh, we talked 
a lot about yesterday and we'll talk a lot about today. Uh, to this point, has really been a black hole for the San Diego Padres. Ian Kinsler right now hitting a buck 54. He's 10 for 65. He has three doubles, a homer, one RBI, and an on-base percentage of 247. It's going to be interesting to see how long they stick with Kinsler. You'll recall, they signed him to a two-year deal worth uh, $8 million. Now, they also uh, shipped out Luis Urias over the weekend. He goes back to uh, El Paso. And uh, in 11 games up with the big league ball, Club Urias went 2 for 24, uh, an 083 average, but he had 11 strikeouts. And that's not going to get it done in a 241 on base percentage. And remember, he, he coming off a, a really poor uh, spring training in the Cactus League where he hit only 224. If, if you remember, kind of the plan was for Urias to start the year at shortstop, Kinsler at second, give Tatis a little more uh, uh, time down in the minor leagues, but Urias played so poorly, and guys like Machado and uh, Hosmer uh, kind of took up for Tatis, and I'm glad they did because Tatis has been uh, really uh, one of the guys that's been talked about uh, around uh, baseball nationally. Hey, when the Padres are showing up on the MLB network, uh, that's good. Uh, and uh, on ESPN, that's good. I've seen more highlights in the first uh, month of the season than I saw, I think, all last year from the San Diego Padres. Now, we talked a lot yesterday about Ty France, the uh, young man out of San Diego State. Yesterday, he went 0 for 3. That dropped his average all the way down to 423. I mean, his numbers are like, what if you were going to sit down and you had a guy that was drawing your baseball card with your picture, and then he says, here, here's uh, the card, flip it over, and you put the stats you want. I don't think you could come up with as good a stats as Ty Francis produced in the short time he's been down in AAA of 19 games. How about this, 423, and even 500 on base percentage. He's 33 of 78 with seven doubles, a triple, nine homers, 28 RBIs, and an OPS right now of 1385. I know the Padres don't want to have to make that move because a couple of reasons. Number one, they got Kinsler. They brought Kinsler in to be have an effect in the clubhouse. He's got a little bit of an edge to him, unlike a guy like Hosmer and Machado. Uh, Kinsler's a gamer, hard-nosed guy, and he wants that influence in that uh, clubhouse. The Padres do. But again, it, every once in a while, you have to be able to play. You have to be able to get a hit. You have to be able to get on base. And, and Ian Kinsler, for as great a major league career as he's had, He's not getting it done right now. And you also give up quite a bit defensively by bringing Ty France up because Ty has never really played second base until the last 10 days where he's been taking ground balls and getting some uh, playing time. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But the Padres need uh, to get at least a split. It'd be great if they could take two from Seattle. I don't know if it's doable or not. Uh, but Seattle's playing great ball, and they've been especially good on the road. Uh, boy, if they played anywhere near this uh, at home, It'll be interesting to see how far ahead they'd be in the standings right now in the American League West. But 11-2 and road record. They did uh, uh, take one on the chin on Sunday up there against the Angels 8-6. to Dodgers 
uh, were off uh, yesterday. They'll go at it tonight at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field at 5.05. They'll send out uh, Kent Tamaeda, the young uh, right-hander, 3-1 and with a 3.80 ERA. And uh, the Cubs will counter left-hander Jose Quintana, who's 2-1 and in a 3-4-3 ERA. Dodgers right now absolutely hammering the ball. They've already, uh, in 24 games so far, blasted 44 homers this year. Dodgers batting 264. You talk about guys getting on base. 357 on base percentage and a team OPS of 847. Cody Bellinger right now, uh, he and uh, Christian Yelich, by far the two hottest hitters in all of Major League Baseball. Bellinger, check this out, 424, 11 homers, 28 RBIs, and a 1382 OPS. So the Dodgers are uh, starting to put it together. They enter play tonight with a 15-9 and record. Last night at Angel Stadium, they finally got the ball game over. Uh, the Yankees will win it 4-3-14, to and 14, their fourth straight win. Uh, Gio Ursula, a young third baseman, uh, an RBI single in the top of the 14th that played at Glaber Torres. And uh, the Yankees take uh, game one against the Angels. Yankees now 12 and 10 on the year. The Angels, they dropped to 9 and 14. Tonight they'll go at it again at Angel Stadium. It'll be right hander Domingo uh, Herman going for the Yankees, right hander Chris Stratton for the. Uh, Angels, uh, Angels. I just don't think they have enough of pitching. From what I've seen, they just do not have enough of pitching. I want to get into the NBA playoffs a little bit later this half hour. We're going to talk about the Luke Walton situation. Oh, man, that story came down last night while I was doing the Strike Force game. Uh, not a good story uh, for Luke Walton. And uh, what's interesting, now that he's got that job up there with the Sacramento Kings, uh, you have to wonder if the Kings had any inclination whatsoever that this may be uh, coming down. Uh, great show today. We've got some great guests uh, coming up at 5.30. We'll replay our interview yesterday with Annie Heilbrunn from the Union Tribune. And uh, Fox Sports San Diego, we talked about the Padre Chop. So if you missed that, you want to uh, definitely tune into that. Coming up at uh, 6.35, longtime NFL scout, uh, been a part of the Combine for many years. Uh, Chris Landry will join the program, and we'll get a little bit deeper into the NFL draft. Again, the NFL draft coming up on Thursday night at 5 o'clock from Nashville. Uh, also in the uh, 7.30 time block, Kyle Glazer, great guy. Uh, grew up here in San Diego, works now for Baseball America. Kyle will be uh, along, and we'll talk a little bit about Ty France. And then at 8.35 this morning, uh, a Padres Hall of Famer, great shortstop, longtime major leaguer, Gary Templeton, will uh, join us on the program. In and around those guests, we'll get to your phone calls, 833-288-0973, Boy, some good basketball last night that we're going to get into. Uh, we'll break it down. I'm looking at that second round in the East, and I'm seeing a, a pretty good matchup there between the Milwaukee Bucks and the uh, Boston Celtics. Uh, Celtics playing really good basketball, and quite frankly, I thought uh, you, you can only play who they tell you you got to play. And Detroit got into the playoffs with a 41-41 and record, uh, and they went out uh, four straight games of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, pretty much a cakewalk for uh, Jonas and company uh, for that uh, first round as they eliminated the Pistons last night. A couple of great hockey games we're going to uh, touch on, and again, a couple of great uh, Game 7s tonight. You know, if you're a hockey fan, you absolutely eat it up. But I will tell you this. If you're a sports fan, and I've been a sports fan since I was a little kid, I'm not sure there's better playoffs 
than the Stanley Cup playoffs. Whether you like hockey or not, the way those guys go after it, and really, when you take a look at the first round of the NHL playoffs compared to the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's laughable. It's really laughable. The Eastern Conference uh, playoffs of the NBA have been an absolute joke. The West hadn't been much better. I mean, Utah did stay alive last night against the Houston Rockets, but for the most part, uh, the West has not been very good either. And then you take a look at the NHL, some great matchups, some great matchups. I love these Game 7s, man. Guys are laying it on the line. you got to love that. And we're going to see two of them tonight, so we'll talk about that. If you're a hockey fan out there, if you're a Gulls fan, you got to be kind of geeked up. Uh, one win away, and they can move on to the next uh, round of the uh, playoffs. i got to tell you, Dallas Eakins, the head coach of the Gulls, he's done a great job. When you got guys coming and going, one day they're with you, the next day they're with the Ducks, and then three days later you get that guy back and you lose another guy, Dallas Eakins done a great job in his time here in San Diego, and I think it's high time that he get an opportunity to go back to the NHL as a head coach. In the call to Roan, he's going to dribble out the time, and let's party like it's 2001. The Bucks advance to the second round of the NBA playoffs, and they take on the Boston Celtics next in a best of seven. They get out the brooms, and they sweep the Pistons for zip. Well, that was on the Milwaukee Bucks radio network last night. Uh, they dispatched the Detroit Pistons 127-104. First time the Bucks have advanced to the second round since 2001. And I bring in uh, Jim Russell and uh, Big uh, Jeff. Uh, you guys uh, follow the NBA uh, quite uh, closely. And, uh, Jim, I'll start with you. Uh, Jonas last night, 41 points, 9 rebounds. Jonas? Yeah. Who's Jonas? You don't know who? Antiochupo? Oh, oh, Giannis. Giannis. Oh, okay. Okay, 41 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. The Greek freak. It's pretty good. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, is he uh, approaching the best player in the league right now? Well, he's the MVP of the league. I don't think so. I think Harden will be. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Uh, no? No? <laughs> I don't think so. Harden, I mean, yeah, he scored 35 points a game, but he shot 34% from three-point range. And his usage rate was through the roof. I mean, besides the points, name me one other elite stat that he had. Well, there are uncertain nights where he dished the ball off pretty good. But he never—he didn't lead the league in assists. No, he didn't lead the league in assists. I mean, assists. yeah, he lead- by far and away he led the league in scoring. His team wasn't didn't have the best record. It's fourth in the West. Where would they be without him? They would be in the playoffs, but they wouldn't be... They would be in the playoffs? I think they would. Uh, with Chris Paul being out for an extended period of time? I don't think so. I mean, where would the Bucks be without Giannis? Well, they got some other good players. I mean, Chris Middleton was an all-star this year. Not that Middleton's a front-line uh, superstar. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. The Bucks wouldn't have the best record in the league. There's no question about it. They finished 60-22. and 22. I think Giannis is the MVP. And if you vote hard, I mean, I don't like Harden's game at all because what he does is he draws contact in the worst way possible. He gets every call in the book by the way. And it's not basketball. Like he's just running into people the entire time. And he does he travels. Like I don't care what anybody's that step back three that he does, that's a travel. And the reason why I don't call it on him is because it's he does it's it's so sly. But he travels all the time. Anyway, Giannis I think is the MVP. The Bucks I think right now are the favorites in the East, but 
I do like the Sixers if they can stay healthy. If, if Embiid stays healthy, it's between, I think, the Sixers and the Bucks in the East. I got to tell you, I really like the way Boston's playing. I am in no way, shape, or form a Boston Celtic fan. Uh, you know, Growing up on the West Coast, it was all about the Lakers. But I got to tell you, that Boston team, I'm really impressed with the way they move that basketball around, their spacing. Uh, Kyrie Irving can uh, go get it when he needs to. He didn't have a great game the other night, but uh, he had other guys stepping up. Uh, Tatum's been uh, absolutely fantastic. Big Al Horford fan. Al Horford's not afraid to go in there and do the dirty work. He's had a great NBA career. Yeah, I think they didn't, they didn't play. I mean, the Pacers. I know. There's a, there's a Minus walk. Victor Oladipo. It was a cakewalk. Yeah, it was a cakewalk. It was a cakewalk. Uh, but Detroit, 41-41. and 41. They can go to the offseason now and uh, feel good about themselves that they at least got into the playoffs. But they uh, uh, didn't uh, really show up in the playoffs against, Bo- or against Milwaukee. Uh, a real bad matchup for them. And then last night, uh, Utah got a 107-91 win over Houston to keep that series alive. Rockets still lead that series three games to one. Donovan Mitchell. Now, here's a guy that I really like, but he's got to become a little bit more aggressive on a regular basis. Last night, he had 19. It was 31, Jim, in the fourth quarter last night. Ricky Rubio had a big night, 18 points, 11 assists. And Jay Crowder, he's not a great shooter, but he's a good player. He had 23 points. Harden, you talking about Harden? Last night, 8-19 shooting, 6-12 on uh, three-pointers. He finished with uh, 30 points. Chris Paul had a good ball game last night. 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. Game 5 tomorrow night in uh, Houston. Uh, can the Utah Jazz get back in this series at all, or was that their their one game, and now they'll they'll go out tomorrow night? This series is over. No. When they couldn't beat them when Harden was 3-22 the other night, that yeah. right there told you the he series He started out 0-15. Yeah, the series was over the moment Utah won, or Houston won that game. You know what cracked me up about that was Harden said when he was 0-15, I would have never thought it was 0-15. He, he knew. You would think he knows. He had to have known. Hey, what about your team? Uh, they're back on the court tonight. OKC. Oh. They're, they're still playing? Yeah, they're still playing. They'll be up in Portland tonight at the Moda Center. It's getting it's getting frustrating to watch now, just because I mean, they they swept the season series, and I I was even confident and said they were going to win the series in five, because they swept the season series. I thought they were just the better team, and I have no idea what to even think anymore at this. Hey, point. Hey, let me ask you a question because last night I was coming home from the Strike Force game, and, and uh, Pharrell on the bench, big Scotty Pharrell was on last mm-hmm. night, and he was all over Westbrook, just all over him. Talking about, you know, how uh, Westbrook is more concerned about what clothes he wears to the arena because, you know, they always take that shot of the guys coming into the arena. Uh, you know, he, he wants to be Mr. Cool uh, and that he's never won anything, even though he's, you know, making $200 million. He's never won anything. Uh, he doesn't really care about his other teammates. Now, I don't know if that's the case. I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I, from what I understand, he's actually a very good teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Donovan hasn't really had any problems. With him, I don't think Scott Brooks, prior to Billy Donovan, really had a whole lot of problems with him. Scott Brooks was a pretty good coach there, uh, but Westbrook in these post game press conferences—I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and, and being from that area and being a guy that actually has covered that team when I was there at one point, a lot of the that that nobody knows about is the way the media covers the Thunder in Oklahoma City, and so it's a very 
it's a I'm trying to find the right word for it. It's a very interesting relationship though. The media doesn't really favor the Thunder there and that's the part nobody knows about. The local media unless you're an Oklahoma Sooner, they don't really care about you. And they treat the athletes as such. Oklahoma State, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they all get treated that way as well. And that's the part nobody knows is, and Westbrook has been bashed by these guys for over a decade, and I think there's just a lot of resentment there towards the media. And I think he takes it out on national media as well because of the resentment for the local media. But that's the part nobody knows about the story is the way that the local media treats him. And I've read a lot of the articles throughout the years, and I'm not saying it's justified because we still have a job to do in the media, but at the same time, like I know where he's coming from a little bit. Well, everybody wants him to be in the post game uh, mm-hmm. press conference. Well, and the NBA makes them too. It's yeah. Well, the, they the they league. make them, but why why keep bringing him if he's not going to say anything? Yeah, yeah. I, and that's 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 one thing is you put these guys in front of the microphone and you say they have to or you're going to find them. But if they don't want to talk, then what's the point of putting them out there? Well, you would also think the organization and, and a lot of these organizations are flim flam. They they they're scared of their own players. And, you know, to me, if you're paying a guy millions of dollars, it'd be like the Padres with Manny Machado. If he ended up being a jerk to the media, which he hasn't been by any stretch of the imagination, or Eric Hosmer, they haven't been. But if if those guys are going to be salty with the media, I can understand if there's a dumb question asked and you upset a guy. I, I understand that, okay? And I'll give you an example here in a minute with Leslie O'Neill, the former a great charger. Mm-hmm. But they're representing your organization, and I think when Westbrook says, next question, next question, that, that's ridiculous. He's embarrassing himself, but he's also embarrassing his teammates and the organization the way I look at it. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's still immaturity on his part, too. I mean, this is a guy that has played with a chip on his shoulder his entire career, and I think you still he still wears that chip a little bit. But it's like you've been, what, a seven, six, seven-time All-Star? You've won an MVP. Like At this point, you need to kind of move past having that chip on your shoulder, at least in terms of with the media a little bit. Well, we'll see what uh, happens tonight. They'll be up in Portland. I'll give you this example. Uh, back in 1994, I was covering the Chargers, and I was at a luncheon at the Town & Country Hotel. It was honoring the Chargers from the, the year before, and you know they were just uh, getting ready to start training camp, the big kickoff uh, for Charger football. And Leslie O'Neill was a great player. He's out of Oklahoma State. And, uh, and really, if you break down his stats, he's got a good argument to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he had a reputation of not being all that great a guy with the media and uh, you know being standoffish so I go up to him when this luncheon's over and you know I'm six foot seven Leslie O'Neill's I don't know six five whatever and I walk up to him uh, and uh, he didn't know who I was at the time I was you know fairly new on the radio and I'm sure he wasn't a big sports talk radio fan and I walked up to him I go Leslie O'Neill John Cantera, and I shake hands with him I go I got a question for you I go I got to cover the Chargers this year and people tell me you're difficult to work with. He looks at me like, this guy's crazy. Coming up and, you know, we're right in the middle of the ballroom at the town and country. And he goes, well, he kind of hesitated and looked at me. He goes, well, I don't think I'm difficult to work with. I just don't like people asking me questions that they already know the answer to. And I go, you know what? That's fair enough. And so we talked for a couple of minutes, and he went on and had a great year. That was the year they went to the Super Bowl, 94 season, 95 uh, Super Bowl. And then he went on and played with the Rams uh, at the end of his career. And then a few years later, I was uh, at that uh, sports bar, McGregor's, over there by Qualcomm Stadium. I was doing an appearance on a Sunday. He was in there playing pool with some of his friends, and couldn't have been a nicer guy. But, you know, I went right up to him and confronted him uh, in this ballroom at the town and country and just flat out asked him, are you going to be tough for me to deal with? And I thought the answer he came away with was great. 
Uh, no, I just don't want to have to answer questions that the person asking them already knows the answer to. And I, I thought that was very fair. Jim, what's your thoughts about OKC and Russell Westbrook and the way he deals with the media? Is it, I don't like it. it. Like, dude, come on. Everybody talks to the media. What makes it so? What makes you so special that you can just be like, next question? Like, come on, dude. Like, really? It's a bad look. And Steve Curry even said it the other day. Like, you're you're setting a precedent for players to start doing this, and the media has a job to do. These aren't per- these aren't bad questions. Now I know that Barry Trammell has obviously stepped on a lot of toes in OKC and everything, but at the same time, these questions that are being asked they're not bad questions. They're media journalist journalist questions. So either give an answer. I, just give an answer. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. I know you don't like the guy, but he's not like doing anything that it's like outlandish. He might have done stuff in the past is outlandish, but now it's just I don't know. It's a personal vendetta that he's having against this guy. Hey, can we get Barry Trammell on the show someday so I Jeff can uh, visit no. with him? Jeff says no. Why not? I don't. He's. I tried. I have personal issues with the guy. I too, tried. So. Well, we'll have Jim call him. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, real quick, before we get to the bottom of the hour, we got our spotlight segment uh, coming up here uh, shortly with uh, Annie Heilbrunn. That was a good interview yesterday, and Annie always brings a lot to the table. Uh, this story last night, guys, I was doing the Strike Force game, and I looked down at my phone. Uh, Luke Walton uh, having allegations uh, right now of a sexual assault uh, by a young lady by the name of Kelly Tennant, who used to work in the TV business up there in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, it's hard to comment on this story right now because we're just going off of what we're reading. We'll see where it goes. But apparently uh, this uh, uh, situation took place uh, when he was an assistant with the Golden State Warriors. And kind of interesting, the, the timing, that now that he's no longer the Lakers coach, he gets the job up there in Sacramento. Uh, this story comes out. Uh, we'll see where this goes uh, in the coming days. But, uh, boy, uh, this really shocked me last night, Jim. Yeah, it was uh, something that you didn't see coming. But, everyone, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you don't know like, the whole story. And the, he came out with a statement saying that this girl is just trying to get publicity, and it's totally false. I hope it goes nowhere. I've known Luke Walton since he was a little kid here, and uh, I remember calling uh, one of his last high school games when he was there at uh, then uh, University, which is now a Cathedral Catholic. We have the NFL draft coming up on Thursday, 5 o'clock from Nashville. Looking forward to it. Uh, one of my favorite uh, times of year, the NFL draft. I've got the gang in here. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, Kyler Murray here. We've heard a lot about Kyler Murray uh, the last couple of days. It really kind of came down on Easter that the Arizona Cardinals were not going to take Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. Uh, not everyone's buying that right now. I heard a variety of different people yesterday uh, talk about that. I think that they got Josh Rosen. They had to go with Josh Rosen. Uh, I think he can run that air raid offense over there for Cliff Kingsbury. They need to build an offensive line and they need to upgrade that defense a great deal. So uh, we'll uh, wait and see. Uh, they may uh, trade that pick. Uh, you know, you don't know what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do. You know, I think of the Cardinals, who are not one of the better franchises in the NFL. They've had so many problems over the years, uh, a variety of issues trying to consistently put together a, a great uh, football team. And then I think about the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns, they fired their head coach yesterday. Uh, Phoenix Suns... Uh, 
under Robert Sarver, the owner. That has become uh, one of the uh, worst franchises, I think, in professional sports. And that was a very uh, proud franchise for many years uh, with the great uh, Jerry Colangelo running it. But as we get into the 6 o'clock hour, I want to get to phone calls on the draft, 833-288-0973. I'm going to bring in uh, Jeff and uh, Jim, and we're going to talk a little bit about this draft. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, longtime NFL scout uh, Chris Landry going to join us on the program. We'll get a little bit deeper into the draft. But with Arizona overall number one, if they don't take Kyler Murray, uh, I would think they're probably going to go defense, gentlemen, either Nick Bosa out of Ohio State or probably Quinnen Williams, the big defensive tackle out of Alabama, Jim. I hope not. I want the Niners to take Bosa. I need that pass rush. Give it to me. Well, the 49ers have the uh, second overall pick, and I certainly think if Bosa would uh, fall, uh, John Lynch uh, and company, they would jump on him in a heartbeat because a lot of people have him as the best player in this entire draft. They, I know they do. They also have Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa, I think, are 1A, 1 and 1A, 1B. Um, but I, th- I still think Kyler Murray is going number one. I said I said months ago that Kyler Murray is going number one. I don't know why. I just think he is. Well, Jeff, I want to get your opinion on this a little bit. You saw him play a lot yes, sir. at Oklahoma. And, you know, I thought he was unbelievable. I, I guess I wasn't surprised when he won the Heisman Trophy because they put so much on two of that last regular season game and he got hurt and didn't perform all that well, even though he hung in there in the game. Uh, but, you know, I just wonder if Murray really can hold up to an NFL season long term. Yeah, I mean, to me, he he's really good. I think the baseball in him, we see it with Russell Wilson, he's really good at avoiding contact and slides, where a lot of quarterbacks, I think that's a ge- part of their game they need to work on. My biggest concern with uh, Kyler Murray that nobody's really talked about is, I know he was in college for four to five years, but he only really played 12 games. That right. one season was all we saw, and I think you haven't seen enough of him, and there's still mystery, and nobody's really talked about that going into the draft. And to me, that would be more alarming is, I feel like there's not enough tape on him yet. Well, they, what they've seen in his workouts apparently were real good. Uh, you know, he's a, a pretty mature guy, knows how to deal with the media, knows how to talk to coaches. Of course, his dad was a quarterback at Texas A&M uh, many, many years ago. His dad now works with a lot of quarterbacks down in the Texas area. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting because I think if, if they don't make a pick at number one, if they don't take Murray, it would not surprise me in the least if they would uh, maybe trade down a couple of spots, try to get an additional draft pick. As long as they know the guy they want is going to be there. But Arizona could go a lot of different ways. I mean, they need to rebuild that defense over there. Yeah, I mean, and even if they trade back, they could probably still get Kyler Murray even maybe around three or four anyway. But yeah, if you draft number one and you don't go Kyler Murray, do you go interior lineman? Do you go defensive end? Do you go linebacker, secondary? Like, I don't know where they would look because they need to rebuild almost the entire defense. Well, I think you got to go on the uh, precedent, uh, best player available. Yeah. You can't go for any one position where they're at right now. you got to go for the best uh, uh, player available. You know, Jim, if, if Murray were not to go number one overall you kind of have to look down the board uh you know there are people thinking maybe oakland would take him at number four if they're disenchanted with uh Derek carr i don't know about that i think Carr's there for a while he's under a long-term contract so so if the cardinals don't take murray at one oakland at four the the giants at six jackson may not jacksonville maybe Maybe Denver. 
because Joe Flacco's getting older there. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Miami at 13? Yeah, I think Miami might be a good call. You know, you go back up, uh, you mentioned the New York football Giants. Uh, apparently, Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback, uh, he came in there for a visit and actually had lunch with Eli Manning. So, uh, I don't know if that tells you anything. And maybe Eli Manning goes back and, and tells uh, the powers to be, you know what, we don't want to go with this guy. But apparently, they had a pretty good uh, lunch together last week. Other than that, I... I... I don't see where Murray could go in the first round. I mean, Oakland is I they have four they have three picks in the first round. Right. So they got four picks in the top 35 in this draft. If they want to take them at like 27, maybe, but yeah, I just don't maybe uh, I think Miami at 13 would be the likeliest destination if he doesn't I got a fun one for you. If he falls, if he falls past Miami, oh the Chargers, the Chargers. I don't know if he fits with what they're doing. You know, I, I think that the Chargers eventually are going to have to draft a quarterback. Well, they, I, I thought that a couple of years ago. They probably think they're on the verge of making a Super Bowl run. So I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round to be Phillips' successor when they're like, okay, we're about to make a run yeah. here. They're they're going to want impact players right away on this team. They could draft a quarterback fourth, fifth round. Well, they also brought Maybe. in Tyrod Taylor and are paying him pretty good yeah, money. Right. He's been a starter totally in the league. I forgot about that. And, you know, he's a young the guy. The of Tyrod. Hey, he's won a playoff game. Yeah, he got replaced like that. <laughs> but there's something there. He's a talented guy. He just hasn't been in a real good system. Uh, and, you know, he's still young enough to where maybe they feel he they can groom him. They'll see where it goes. They've still got Cardell Jones, uh, who I don't know if he's oh, making God. progress or not. Cardell Jones, yeah, he's still really? in the league. No, he's he still on still. the team. What about the Steelers? He's their third quarterback, right? What now. about the Steelers at twenty? Big Ben's contemplated retirement just a couple years ago. I just don't. Murray, for me, he. I don't see him in a Steeler uniform. I can't see it either. I don't see, and I don't see him dropping that far. But I'm just looking for if he got past Miami, where's his next destination? Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But you know what? There may be some team that right now we absolutely think would never take him because they don't think he's going to be there, and now all of a sudden they drop everything and they take Washington, fifteen. I mean, it does sound Alex, like a Washington move. I mean, Alex Smith is. I mean, he's on one leg. Is he even going to play Ma- this year? Colt, no, he will no, not play. Not Col- a chance. Colt McCoy. I mean, who else they got? Washington. Washington makes sense. Yeah, Washington makes sense. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think this guy has to be in a certain offense myself. I mean, he was a one-man show at Oklahoma. And, you know, going against those Big 12 uh, defenses. I mean, Jeff, you watch a lot of Big 12 football. Why can't they play defense? I don't actually don't think the defenses are that bad. I think it's the offenses actually because statistically they actually get more snaps per game than any other conference in the entire country. I so mean, Oklahoma State scores about fifty a game, they yet do. they're like a seven and five team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think really outside of Iowa State and maybe Texas, everyone runs the the spread offense. They're trying to score fifty a game, where those guys still want to play old school smash mouth football. You know, I, I watched uh, last year. You know, Murray. I mean, he didn't have to throw into a, a small window. He had a huge window to throw in because guys were running free in that secondary. And then when they were eventually covered, he was just faster than anybody else on the field. 
Yeah, well, it also helped when he had one of the fastest receivers in the country, too, in Marquise Brown. So. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he could outrun the secondary himself, too. I'm anxious so. to see where he goes in the draft. He's a really nice player. I mean, he's a home run threat every time he's uh, going up the field. Yeah, and he's actually one of the – I think he didn't run at the combine because of his ankle injury, but he was clocked as one of the fastest players in the country earlier in the season. So. You know, I wonder, Jim, uh, going back to Arizona, I wonder if Kingsbury – you know, they had to have talked to Kingsbury about Rosen before uh, the situation uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, coming in and having a quarterback and be able to run that offense. And I would certainly think Kingsbury had to say, yeah, well, he could run the air raid offense. And then all of a sudden, uh, Kyler Murray uh, decides to give up baseball or at least put it on hold for now and uh, go into the draft. Uh, I-, I just wonder what Kingsbury's really thinking right now because they've thrown Josh Rosen under the bus the last couple of months. They didn't even put it. You see the hype video that they made? I didn't see that one. So they, the Cardinals made a hype video and they put Rosen in zero of it. Like he has not seen at all. And then they got so much pushback on Twitter and and everything. They had to redo it and then put a lot of Josh Rosen in it just to like make sure people weren't freaking out as much. But I think Kingsbury, like every time a quarter, every time a new coach comes in, what does the new coach want? Especially an offensive guy. They want their guy. They want their quarterback. They want their own guy. So if he's not on board with Rosen 100%, he's going to want to pick his guy. And it's, if it's not this year, then it's going to be next year. Like that's just what happens. So I think, I still think. That Kyler Murray goes number one. I think there's too much uh, buzz around him. I think there's too much, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And with what Kingsbury said in the past and everything that's going on there, I think that Kyler Murray will go number one. So you think Pete Prisco from CBS Sportsline, his article uh, uh, was a whole lot about nothing right now? Yeah, I'm thinking no because I don't even know what you're talking about. But also, <laughs> same time, uh, sure, yeah. No, he's Pete Prisco. What? I want to get into this Bryce Harper situation. Because yesterday, Jim Russell and I, and Jim, I want to get you in on this one again. You and I were talking about umpires yesterday, and I was telling you in the first you know month of the season, the umpires are not having a very good year. And we've seen a lot of managers and players arguing the strike zone. And last night, Bryce Harper gets tossed out of the ball game in the fourth inning. He had gotten called out on strikes, and then one of his teammates, uh, a few batters later, uh, had a high strike called on him, and Harper started barking from the dugout, and Mark Carlson, the uh, home plate umpire, eventually ejected him. Uh, Gabe Kapler came out arguing. Uh, Harper had to be restrained. I think he's going to get suspended. He'll get at least uh, one or two games for those annex last night. But uh, once again, we're seeing a lot of guys upset about balls and strikes being called by umpires. Did you have a problem with it? Yeah, they were high pitches. So you know, do, you have, do you have a problem with Harper getting ejected? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you blame him? Uh, well, you know, I think, first of all, he needs to be in the ball game. It hurts his ball club when he gets ejected, okay? Yeah, you're, he's taking the bat out of his own hands. Uh, and he even said that after the game last night. I got to stay in the ball game. I got to stay in the ball game. I got to control myself. I mean, anytime a player gets ejected, I think it hurts the sport. Any Anytime. Like, arguing a call, like, you're really going to eject somebody over arguing something? Unless the guy, like, physically touches the umpire. Well, I think there there may have been contact last night. It was after he got ejected, though. Right. So, 
first of all, I'm paying as a fan to go watch these pair, players. I'm not going to watch umpires inject themselves into games and change the outcomes by ejecting players. Now, there well, are, if a player there, deserves to be ejected, you can't say, "Okay, we'll, we'll you know, you get a you get a mulligan. You get to, you know, stay here because I should have ejected you." So when an umpire makes a call that's a bad call, and the player argues it when it's clearly a bad call, and then the umpire doubles down and ejects that player. That I don't. That doesn't. That well, first of all, me. you can't argue balls and strikes. That's in the rule book. You cannot argue balls and strikes. And some screw umpires, the rule book. Well, you got to go by the rule book. And well, then the umpire some of these a umpires. Call. Some of these umpires, though, they give you a little bit of leeway. Again, I'll, I'll go back. We were talking about NBA officials. Some guys, the superstars, get the calls. The guys that are rookies in the league or no names, they don't get a call for years. Okay, in baseball, some guys get a little more leeway than others. Especially if you got a reputation and not being a guy that argues, they'll have they'll listen to you a little bit more. But you know Harper come charging out of the dugout and he gets to end up getting tossed out of the ball game. And uh, let's hear from Bryce Harper last night after he was ejected and after he met with the media. It just can't happen. Um, you know, my side. Uh, you know, in a game like that against the Mets, um, division rival, things like that, um, just can't happen. You know, for me, myself, in this game as well. We're going to be in the lineup and uh, you know, I got to stand well, that, that's Bryce Harper, and after he cooled down a little bit, the the other thing, Jim, it'll be interesting to see how quickly Major League Baseball will rule on this. Uh, you know, I would certainly think he's probably uh, going to get an ejection, but or uh, a suspension. But I got to give uh, Gabe Kapler, uh, second year manager, he uh, he hung with his ball player last night. There was normal chirping from the dugout. That is in every dugout, every single night. It was no different. Uh, mindset is I have Bryce Harper's back. Mindset is I don't think that he should have been ejected. The mindset is our dugout did not agree with Mark's, uh, with many of Mark's calls tonight. Well, we saw it last week. Andy Green uh, wasn't happy, and he talked about it a little bit uh, in the post game when Mike Winters didn't uh, eject. Um, uh, Greg Hall, remember when he was throwing at Mejia? He threw two in a row at Mejia. And, and Mike Winters, a guy from San Diego, didn't do anything about it on that Sunday. And uh, Andy Green had some uh, things to say in the post game. I don't know if behind the scenes Andy got fined for that. He, he certainly didn't get suspended. But, he came out and went after them. Yeah, but, you know, it, yeah, he did. But I haven't seen or heard anything that he's gotten I fined. He obviously hadn't been either. suspended. Nobody's even talked about that. Nobody. And I, the second we heard all with the soundbite, it's like, oh, yeah, Andy's getting fined. I thought so. Like, easily fined for that. He literally called out the umps saying that they had no idea what they were doing, which was great. But, yeah, it's weird. I, we haven't heard anything. I wonder if it's because it happens out on the West Coast and, and Major League Baseball's back in New York. They don't pay attention to us out uh, here. Yeah, well, it doesn't. I don't think it matters where it is. You, you would hear if a, if a Major League manager got fined for... Just saying, umpires had no idea what they were doing. No, I know that. I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, we take so much uh, uh, heat out here on the West Coast. Nobody pays attention to what goes on, uh, you know, from those East Coast guys. You know, you were saying earlier, uh, and Jeff was telling me, he goes, you know, uh, those East Coast talk shows in the morning, they don't really know what's going on, on on the West Coast. And I said, you know what? Padres who? Yeah, they don't care. 
they don't care. Only thing they want to talk about is their own team. They, you know, whether it's in New York or Boston or Chicago, they just want to talk about their own team. They don't. They could care less about the Padres or the Angels or even the Dodgers, unless the Dodgers are coming back to that part of the country. Well, our games end at one a.m. their time. I know. I don't blame them. How about that Angel game last night? They get beat four to three and uh, fourteen innings up there against the Yankees. I didn't see what time that game ended, but it had to be pretty late because I was driving home and it was ten o'clock. You've ha- you have to be some kind of diehard on the East Coast to stay up that long to watch a fourteen inning Angels game. Either that or you got insomnia, one of the two. Well, you know, if you're having insomnia, watch the Angels put you to sleep real fast. All right, we're going to get to uh, the bottom of the hour here, and uh, we're going to hear from Greg Landry. Uh, if you've got uh, draft questions, give me a call this morning. I love talking about the draft. Let's duck in uh, one phone call before we get to the bottom of the hour. Miles in Claremont, welcome to Mornings with the Coach on 97.3 The Fan. Nice to have you this morning. Uh, good morning, Coach. How are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. On your way to work? On my way to work, Coach, heading out to lovely East County and Borrego Springs. All right. Well, uh, safe travels today. Hey, Coach, real quick, on the uh, the ejections, it seems like the umpires this season aren't really hearing nothing from the dugout. As soon as the chirping starts, they immediately get their ears on it, and huh. they don't take a lot like they have in uh, season past, i.e. the uh, Phillies coach saying it wasn't nothing out of the ordinary but this time they rung Bryce Harper. What do you think? Uh, you know, what was interesting about that last night, and I do agree with you, some of these umpires do have rabbit ears. You know, some of the veteran guys that are good, solid umpires, they'll take a little bit more. But some of these younger guys, I think, uh, they get tested a little bit by uh, managers and especially by veteran players. Uh, but, you know, one of the things uh, I've noticed this year uh, is uh, just a lot of uh poor calls, a ball and strike. And Jim and I were talking about that yesterday. The thing that was weird about Harper, Harper got called out on strikes last night, and he really didn't argue then. He wasn't happy about the call, but he went to the dugout, and I don't think he said anything. But I think it was Cesar Hernandez was at the plate, and Carlson called a high strike on him, and that's when you know Harper obviously said something from the dugout. Well, if that umpire, I mean, you're in a major league stadium, you got a big crowd, if you're hearing that, you want to hear it. I mean, most good umpires will tune that out and they'll focus on the ball game. But, you know, I think depending on who the umpire is, what the situation is, some of these guys, like Jim brought up a great point and a great word, they inject themselves into the ball game. Uh, umpires should be seen and not heard. Call the ball game. And if a guy deserves to be ejected, go ahead and eject him. But I think right now, Miles, we're seeing that far too often. Too many guys getting ejected whether they be managers or players early in the year right now. This first month has not been a good month for Major League umpires. And Jim and I actually were talking about this yesterday, and then last night this situation takes place. No, definitely, Coach. It seems like the umpires are struggling a little bit this year, you know, with all the the hoopla in the offseason talking about maybe going to an automatic strike system. It's not really – they're not really helping themselves. Yeah, and I think more than anything else, and I know there's probably, Miles, a lot of umpires out there listening to my program because I normally get feedback when I get out to a, a ballpark, whether it be a high school game or a, a college game or even going to Petco Park. Um, but I, I think the consistency. You know, I don't have a problem with umpires calling that high strike. The problem is 
the players have not had that high strike called on them for many, many years, and now you've got umpires that are going to call it, and those guys don't like it. It's all got to start in spring training. It has to be a point of emphasis saying, hey, we're going to call that high strike this year, and players better get used to handling it and making an adjustment on it. Hey, Miles, have a safe drive, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. Thank you, Coach. As always, thank you for what you do in San Diego. Have a good day. I appreciate that a great deal. Want to get back to your phone calls. Mission Hills, Kai, welcome to uh, 97.3 The Fan. Nice to have you on the air this morning. How you doing? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, just uh, looking forward to the draft on Thursday night and certainly ready for Padre baseball tonight after an off night last night. Yeah. It's funny. Are you going to the uh, Padre game tonight? Uh, no, I'm not. I've got another commitment tonight. Uh, now that I'm doing this uh, morning show, uh, my life has kind of been uh, changed all around right now between taking naps, getting prepared, and doing a few uh, personal things. Uh, gonna, I'm going to go tomorrow afternoon, though. I'm going to go to the day game. I'll uh, finish up tomorrow morning at 9, do a little work, and then head down there. Looking forward to seeing the Mariners take on the Padres. Mariners are you know, red hot, 11-2 uh, and two on the road so far this year. The game I'm going to is, is I think it's got to be the best game. It's San Diego State versus USD. I'm thinking San Diego State's going to win this one. Uh, they lost the USD at home the last game. It seems like USD falls apart at the end, and, and San Diego State doesn't start good at the, at the beginning. I think San Diego State's going to take this. We're going to put in the young freshman, Aaron Eden, um, and I'm not sure who they're going to pitch for USD. And then I think they're going to probably put in uh, a couple other veterans uh, before, after uh, Eden. You know, it's kind uh, of interesting, Kai. You know, you're talking about San Diego State. You know, I follow them and uh, the Toreros, uh, San Diego State. Uh, I think they took two out of three from Air Force uh, last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've got some really nice players. I mean, Casey Schmidt, their third baseman, uh, a guy that's only a sophomore, definitely will be a draft choice next year. He's also their closer. He's having a really good year. Uh, Julian Escobedo, a kid out of Eastlake High School, doing a pretty good job. Got off to a red-hot start and then uh, kind of slowed down, but he's picked it up and I look at USD now that Chris Murphy their left-hander who's definitely going to go in the draft this year and I would think Murphy's going to go pretty high he won't pitch because he pitched over the weekend uh, but I saw that one score on Sunday I think or actually it was Saturday I read it in the Sunday paper USD got beat by Gonzaga at home 20 to nothing boy I can't remember that ever happening to Rich Hill before and and right now uh, uh, USD kind of scuffling trying to get into the conference tournament they, they've missed that conference tournament the last several years, so you know they got they got to start winning some conference ball games. But tonight, that ought to be a fun game against San Diego State and the Toreros. It's always a great battle. It is always a great battle. And I have another question for you. I'm wondering about. Oh, I'm a little worried about these soccer's playing against Frank Teo. This guy is just insane. How good Frank Teo is. Uh, what do you think on that one, Coach? I think uh, the Monterey Flash and the Soccers, when they hook up on Sunday at Pachanga Arena, uh, if you like indoor soccer or you like soccer in general, you're going to go down and watch that. And you mentioned Frank Tayu, uh, who played at Sonora, now he's playing in Monterey. A heck of a player, big, strong, physical force. So far this year, the Soccers have beat Monterey twice. They beat him in overtime down in Mexico. They got him a week ago here in the last regular season game. 
It's a one-game Western Conference final to go to the uh, MASL uh, uh, championship game. Uh, soccer's better be ready to play. I'm sure they will be. Uh, Craig Childs will be back on the pitch after being suspended the other night in that uh, uh, first game up in Tacoma. I think it'll be a heck of a match, and uh, I'm hoping the soccer's can pull it out. They've had a magnificent year. they got a lot of really good players, and hopefully the fans will come out and really support that team. And, of course, Landon Donovan will be in the lineup that night as well. Hey, Kai, thanks for the phone call. Look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. It was really cool what happened at San Diego State. They had a doubleheader, and then uh, I think two doubleheaders, and then one single game. It was great. Yeah, they uh, Air Force, I'll tell you, and I thank you for the phone call, Air Force has done a pretty good job of building that program over the last four or five years. They used to get uh, pretty much uh, banged around in that conference pretty good. Uh, no more. They're a very competitive ball club. Let's get out to Phil and Benita. Phil, you're next up with Coach John Cantera on 97.3 The Fan on a Tuesday morning. How are you? You know, I'm doing really well. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Thanks for the call today. So, you know, my buddy texts me every day, you know, during the game, after the game, (laughs) and, you know, I can sense his frustration, and he keeps saying, do we hit the panic button? And I keep telling him it's early. I know we have, you know, an outfielder, two second basemen, and two catchers who who at one time were batting under the Mendoza line. And during that time frame, the team was 11 and 6. You know, they're 11 and 11. Or twelve and eleven now. They're they're around five hundred. Obviously, I don't think anyone should panic. You know, Urias when he came up, you know, I'm sure in his head is like, look, my um, Ian Kinsler is not batting right now. Maybe I need to step up. The whole team was struggling to hit, but you know, it'll get fixed. We got we still got a hundred and what forty something games to go, and I don't think anyone should press the panic button. As far as the strike zone is concerned, you know. People talk about that robo strike zone in spring training. Austin Hedges was talking about, you know, the human element, and it's great. You know, that's what you get. You get the human element. You're going to get uh, umpires have a have an attitude, whatever it is. But you know what? It, that's the way the game is. And, and there are times when we get calls, and then there are times that we don't get calls. And the ones we don't get are the ones like, you know, the, the length and strike that went for a uh, grand slam in the World Series. You know, so that's what makes baseball interesting. So, you know, we get them, we don't get them. It doesn't matter. It's it's fine. Well, my, my response to that, uh, I'm tired of baseball trying to take the human element of this game away uh, and take an emotion away. You know, I used to get a kick out of when Bobby Cox had come in here from Atlanta, and I hope Bobby Cox is doing well. I know he had a stroke uh, about a week and a half ago. I hope he's uh, recovering nicely at this point in time. But, you know, he'd come in here and he'd go out there, he'd get ejected. I remember one night I'd throw in the lineup cards at the home plate umpire. I mean, fans kind of like that. Some fans think it's unsportsmanlike, but that's kind of the history of baseball Uh, i think they've tried to take uh the human element out of this game with the replays and just the natural uh emotion of ball players now see i don't have a problem i guess maybe if i was gabe kapler the manager i'd probably have a a problem with harper getting kicked out last night because it's hurting us uh opportunity to win a ball game uh but that's going to happen from time to time and some guys are going to get ejected and they don't deserve to be ejected and kapler said that last night that he didn't think harper uh across uh, the line and, and should have been ejected. But, again, when you're hearing it from the dugout and you have rabbit ears, 
Uh, but uh, now I can't see the robo umpire. That that would be the worst thing they could do. I mean, I don't yeah, mind a bad call here and there. Uh, you know, I, if it's early in the game, maybe it won't affect the outcome. But uh, you know, you got little league games played every night, pony league games, high school games, college games. Uh, the human element is still there. But even in the college game, they want to start uh, changing the, the way they go about uh, looking at replays and all that. And I'm sure this year when we watch the College World Series, uh, they'll add a little bit more. I mean, everybody has to be perfect. Sports is an imperfect uh, situation. That's what makes sports great because you don't know from one day to the next what the game is going to be like. So watch. You know, for instance, you think about this. You you know, the human element consists of, you know, again, the Padres and Yankees, the the Langston no-call strike. Right. It also consists of Bob Brenly getting upset with Ben Davis laying down a bunt. Probably that's why he's still upset. Correct. You know, those are the types of human elements that people remember and talk about. And that's where, to me, whether you like it or not, that's passion from a fan, from managers. I, I still remember um, Larry Boa coming out <laughs> the first pitch, and, he, um, and they had the video of something and sunglasses or whatever. He got, he got um, ejected before the game started. Yeah, you know that's what? I funny. think it wasn't Boa. It was Steve Boros who was the manager. He was the one that brought the videotape to home plate, handed it to the umpire, and the umpire ejected him immediately before he was even able to turn in his lineup card. Yeah, so that's human element. Whether we like it or not, those are the memories that we all remember. You know, we're not going to remember a robot. That's just my point, my opinion. Well, Phil, I, I think you bring up a great point, and you know, I think it's gone too far. You know, we we can talk about a lot of the rule changes for next year, where you bring in a pitcher, he's got to pitch to three batters. I'm not buying that. You know, when they go to this replay. Speed that replay up. You don't need to look at it from 38 different angles. Go over there, take two quick looks, one from each angle, and let's play ball. These uh, two and a half, three minute, four minute replays. Forget it. It's killing the game. In these replays in the first inning on the first batter on a bang-bang play, and you're going to the replay booth, are you kidding me? I mean, you talk about putting the brakes on a ball game. I mean, the game starts at 7-10. All of a sudden, we got our first replay at 7-12 or 7-13. Boy, that's real good uh, uh, for the fans to really get enthralled about the game. I think a lot of fans are, are getting turned off by baseball because baseball's turning them off by some of the dumb things they're doing right now. Hey, Phil, thanks for the call. Hey, no worries. I love your passion. I can hear it. You're getting all amped up. That's funny. Uh, you, you take care, my friend. Have a great day. You yeah, I get fired up about sports. I mean, uh, baseball's a great game, and they're, and they're just they're killing it by making some of these dumb rules. And uh, it's all about replay. You got to get this. You got to get that right. We're going to bring in a robo uh, umpire. I don't think so. That was best of coach five to nine mornings right here on ninety seven three the fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.